Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnata back with you. And that's right, guys. We have gotten through all the other stuff so far in the offseason. And now, with college football looking like it's at least doing everything it possibly can, it's time to start previewing the season. Magazine season is in full effect, and I am unbelievably excited. And we start out with one of the best guys when it comes to predicting all these things in the preseason. It's Brett Ciencia of Pick 6 Previews. Buddy, how's it going? I know uh, it's been a long offseason. It feels like this has been a couple of years, not a couple of months. But uh, how's it been going this offseason? and uh, how exciting was it for you to put together this 2020 preview? Yeah, Anthony, thanks for having me back on. I'm uh, real excited to talk some UNC and some ACC with you. Um, yeah, it's, you hit it right on the head. It's been the longest offseason ever. I mean, I, I, I feel like we say that every year, but this year definitely um, you know, sets a record in that regard. Uh, yeah, the last five months I've been hunkering down, putting together this 2020 uh, season preview book. Uh, it's all 65 teams. It's a one-man show. It's all me. Um, and after last year's edition, I was uh, selected to become a Heisman voter. So, uh, yeah, really excited about year two with the book. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it, it's crazy how, you know, I got it on sale um, last Friday and like a light switch right then. It's like, all right, you go from writing mode to talking season. So, right. I mean, I've been all over the place. I'm excited to talk UNC and um, and uh, it's just great to be back talking football again. Hey, well, I got my edition. I was been, I've been reading through it and uh, it's great to hear that you are also a Heisman voter. You may or may not be receiving a package from us in the mail to wear a shirt that says Sammy Heisman, but that is not from us. I swear that's from somebody else but uh look man we got to take him seriously as a Heisman contender I mean look when we saw him last year first couple of games of the year 
amazing comeback win against South Carolina, amazing comeback win against Miami. We thought in our minds, man, this kid is really good. But as the season started to progress along, we started to think, man, this guy might be something really, really special. And now, you know, you're going through, and and, and we do this all every offseason. We do it in the NFL. We do it in college football. The quarterback rankings, how much do they actually mean? But consistently, this guy's a top five quarterback in the country from most publications. A lot of people have him three behind Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. So there's definitely a realistic chance that Sam Howell could end up in New York, right? Is, is it just me or are, are you feeling that way as well? Yeah, no, that, that's uh, that's all legitimate praise right there. And I have him on my third team All-American uh, team there, uh, right behind, like you said, uh, Fields and, and Trevor Lawrence. But what really impressed me with Sam Howell last year was just you gotta gotta remember he was a true freshman. I mean, people uh, nowadays they might you know glance over that, but he was a true freshman coming in, learning a, a pretty complex scheme, a new scheme with Phil Longo, um, and really just lit it up all season. And um, you know, from what I've been, uh, so what goes into my book is a ton of film study, uh, calls with coaches and coordinators. I was lucky enough to talk with Phil Longo, uh, the offensive coordinator, and uh, just talking through his scheme. It's it's super complex, but it's, you know, it's the kind of stuff that wins nowadays. It's you know, it looks air raid on the on you know at a quick glance. It's uh, four wide receivers spreading the ball around. Uh, you know, the four verts mesh, all those kind of concepts, but the difference is uh, they really want to focus on that downhill power run game, too, so it's a perfect hybrid offense, kind of like Lincoln Riley, when he runs in Oklahoma, uh, and, and long story short, what I'm getting at is, Sam Howell came in, it was a perfect fit, right away, and um, in the offseason, I, I, I heard that he had been, you know, reviewing even more all 22 tape, uh, NFL tape, looking at every single possible defensive scheme that uh, that defensive coordinators could throw at this offense, and um, I just think that he's going to take a massive step from year one to year two, uh, both you know in the mental game and the physical game. And I mean, and yeah, already last year he was a top five by most metrics. I mean, quarterback rating top five, uh, right up there with uh, the two I mentioned, plus Keaton Slovis, USC, uh, and Tanner Morgan, Minnesota. So that's some elite company for a true freshman. And um, that's all. That's that's enough to build a, a whole program and a whole offense around. Um, not to mention the stable of receivers he's got. So yeah, I'm very optimistic on on UNC overall, uh, their offense, and specifically how. Well, way to keep the expectations tempered for him. But, uh, I mean, look, he's one of the best deep ball throwers in the entire country. I mean, there's no denying that. Um, and that's one of the things that I think is, is so special about him. But it also helps the guys that he has around him. I mean, you mentioned the run game was really strong a year ago. Um, more than likely, if Javante Williams doesn't get banged up in the game against Pittsburgh, he probably runs for a 1,000 yards along with Michael Carter. Um, and, you know, Javante graded out as one of the better running backs in the entire country country, um, according to uh, you know the guys over at Pro Football Focus. There's a lot of really good stuff about the run game, and that doesn't even mention the wide receivers, Daz Newsome, Deami Brown, who I just don't think gets enough recognition because, I mean, this guy tied a program record for touchdown uh, catches a year ago, uh, averaged 20.3 yards per catch, and then, of course, Bo Corrales as well. You know, you look at all these offensive weapons that Carolina's got, they only lose one guy. Now, that's a big guy on the offensive line and Charlie Heck, but is there a legitimate case that Carolina might have the best offense in the ACC, especially with what's going on at Clemson with everybody that's leaving and now Justin Ross not being able to play this year? 
There's a legitimate claim to it. I mean, um, you know, I'm not just saying this because I'm on a UNC podcast, but uh, when you take a look at my all-ACC team, there's a lot of the Carolina blue, uh, that light blue, all over the page there on offense. Uh, it's the guys you touched on. It's Hal, second-team all-ACC with Carter behind him. Um, yeah, Daz Newsom, a first-teamer. De'Ami Brown, a second-teamer. A couple linemen. So, yeah, it's 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 definitely uh, one of the best offenses. I think you have to put Clemson number one still. I mean, you're looking at Tre- uh, Trevor Lawrence, who's you know already projected to be a number one overall pick, and you have Travis Etienne, who, I mean, if he got a, a normal workload, he'd be like a 2,500-yard back. They just never give enough carries. Right. He averages seven per carry. Um, so I, I'd still put Clemson there. Uh, but from there, it's really a race between UNC and Louisville. And I definitely lean UNC for the second offense in the conference. Um, but that's not to say they can't claim that top spot because, uh, you know, the offensive line is going to improve. And then all of this whole stable of, of, of skilled players has another year of continuity together, a year in the scheme. And one element also I wanted to touch on with the offense that, um, you know, it's going to continue to evolve and take another step. But uh, one thing that flashed in the bowl game was some of that quarterback run uh, with Sam Howell. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if I could get into, into Longo's shoes a bit and think about what he was thinking, I think throughout the year, uh, depth might have been an issue at quarterback and it maybe would have been, hey, let's, let's preserve Howell. Let's not have him running 10, 12 times a game and shouldering a lot of physical hits. Let's limit him. But in the bowl game, when when you had that freedom, you start to see that new uh, that new element of the offense. So I think you're going to see more quarterback run, which will just open up everything even more. So it's uh yeah, this is one of the mo- the teams I'm most excited to watch. Really, I mean, um, a lot to love about UNC's offense. Yeah, and the quarterback run is something that I think is also going to help this team in the red zone. That was one of the areas they kind of struggled a little bit uh, throughout most of the season. But I, I you are 100 percent right. No offense to Vincent Amendola, but a true freshman walk-on quarterback is not really the best thing when it comes to trying to win ACC games to have on the field, but um, I think you're right. I think uh, this offense is very exciting, but another area, and see, this is why I really like when I read your stuff, is because, you know, when I think a lot of people go, and and if they're just reading a regular national preview, you know, they might touch on it a little bit, but really, they just look at the statistics and they say, okay, well, Carolina's defense last year was okay, it was better, but really how much of an improvement was there it was a significant difference last year as opposed to the Larry Fedora days where you actually felt like you could trust this defense what they did with Chasserat was amazing um, but it still feels like there's there's some things that this team needs to do a little bit better you know what do you think is the next step for this defense in 2020 yeah, so I think on a program level first, I think that um, when Mac Brown was hired, it was you saw all these guys go to Twitter right away and start firing off joke tweets, and it's like my take on it is, hey, let's see his coordinator hires, and let's see two or three years from now how this thing shakes out. Uh, I think I'm on the right side of, of that right now. Uh, both these coordinator hires were home runs. We touched on Longo. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Jay Bateman, what he wants to do, it's it's pretty complex. Um, he calls it positionless. It's this hybrid kind of stuff. You guys saw it last year. Um, so I think that you're going to see that take another step, too, this year. It, it's hard to implement that in year one, um, you know, just in, the, in, his, in his debut season. Not to mention that injuries really piled up there. Uh, especially in the secondary, you know, losing some key guys to injury, 
had to kind of play a little bit more vanilla than he, than he'd have liked last year. So I think bringing back most of the secondary, uh, Chaz Surratt in the middle. Uh, now we got to talk about the defensive line a bit, but uh, that back seven's uh, yeah, back eight in this case is uh, is veteran, got some star power, and I think uh, we'll be able to learn more of this complex scheme. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that it could definitely take a step forward um, and, and be more of a complement to the offense. Well, I think you mentioned one of the ones that will be an answer to this question, but there are some question marks with this team coming into 2020. It feels like, you know, all the national media pundits that have been hyping them up, talking about Sam Howell, talking about this great offense, Chad Surratt, it, it kind of gets glossed over that there are some things that need to be addressed in the offseason here. What do you think some of those biggest question marks are heading into uh, what is presumed to be this six-week camp that's coming up and then eventually over into fall camp? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there are a lot of high points, but some some things to look at that could make or break maybe a division title run. Uh, I think defensive line uh, is definitely a question mark right now. It's not to say they can't fix it, but uh, you're looking at a group losing a, a strong duo there with, with uh, Jason Strobridge and Aaron Crawford both entering the NFL, um, and that's two out of a three-man front. So right. you know, over half of that D line's got to be replaced. Um, now, yes, they rec- they had a nice 2020 recruiting class. Um, some older guys are going to step up into those shoes. So. Uh, that is a spot on the roster where I would, I would have loved for UNC to get those 15 spring practices or, or the, the full spring in a spring game. Right. Um, that's when you start to see that development. But uh, that's a question for me. Uh, the, back, the back eight uh, I feel pretty confident with. Mm-hmm. And like I touched on, it might be a matter of how just how advanced we see this this defensive scheme progress. Um, I hope that the spring game, or the, the loss of the spring didn't temper that because I think that once this thing is firing on all cylinders, this defensive scheme, it'll it'll be noticeable. So uh, the question is being defensive line, uh, how advanced they can advance, you know, I'm saying advanced a lot, but you know, how, how they can advance this complex scheme in a second year. And then maybe, uh, maybe the tackles on offense. Um, I know the interior of the line is strong. Uh, you know, and, and uh, again, a lot of that comes out in the second year of a program, but uh, that's the only place where you have some starters to, uh, you know, to fill in. So, uh, tackles, uh, D line, and then just an overall. Just how advanced can we make this thing in year two? Well, so we'll, we'll go to a little bit of, of a more positive note. Instead of question marks, who are maybe some of those guys, the, the guys on, on the offensive and defensive side, one guy on each side, if you could, that you think maybe we aren't talking a whole lot about now, but that you could possibly see having big seasons this year? Yeah, so I don't know if I can call him under the radar, but Bo Corrales. I mean, because uh, obviously the you know the headliners the um, the headliners are getting all the All ACC and, and even some All American hype. But uh, when you look around the the league and the conference, uh, when you think of these you know these top five and top ten offenses, what really makes them stand out is it's not just one receiver; it's a freaking stable of guys, three, four guys that could that could win one-on-ones and and really be. I mean, look at what Alabama produced last couple years, LSU. That's what helped them click last year. Clemson, they've been wide receiver U, uh, Ohio State. So, you know, to put it back to UNC, not not just having one or two guys, but having a third weapon and even more than that. So I think Bo Corrales, while the other two guys on the outside might be drawing some double coverages, uh, you know, it's kind of like pick your poison because Corrales can hurt you. He had a ton of big plays last year, six touchdowns, and mm-hmm. and it seemed, just seemed like um, you know a, a pretty steady highlight reel with him involved. So uh, that could be a breakout guy alongside the other two thousand yarders. 
Um, and then defensively, uh, again, I don't know if it's considered under under the radar amongst UNC circles, but uh, just talking about the difference maker, uh, Patrice Rene, uh, you know, he was a difference maker against South Carolina and Miami early in the year. Uh, with him knocked out, though, from injury, you started to see it take, uh, I don't want to say a step back, but it did lose some of that, uh, I don't know, some, some of that, you know, surge. So with him back in the lineup, like I said, it'll allow him to be uh, more free in his coverage calls um, and, and maybe get more complex. So that's kind of the difference maker coming back that, you, that we didn't see the last, what, 10 games last year. Yeah, no, uh, Patrice is, is definitely a really good pick because, I mean, the other thing was is coming into last year, he had come off his junior season where he had just played fantastic, was one of the best pure cover corners, not just in the ACC, but in the country statistically, and then he ends up getting injured in the game against Miami. The depth really just went downhill from there, and they lost a senior leader at cornerback. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that's a phenomenal pick there. You know, the last thing that I'll ask you before I let you go, you, you're also a guy that really takes recruiting into account big time. And look, Carolina, we can't ignore what is happening right now in this 2021 class. I mean, just yesterday, five-star cornerback Tony Grimes commits. I think the question that a lot of people have is, is there potential for this team to eventually be on the cusp of being a college football playoff contender? Are they doing the right things? I mean, could you see in a, in a couple years, potentially, you writing one of these previews where Carolina is one of those teams that you could be putting in your college football playoff? Uh, I'll be honest with you, Anthony, with, with these coordinators and with this recruiting pipeline, uh, that's not out of the question. Um, and that would, probably would have been laughed at two, two or three years ago. But uh, let me let me break it down like this. So with recruiting, I, I know a lot of people online and just college football fans in general, they, they don't trust the recruiting rankings. Um, you know, so here's my take. So, yeah, can they miss on a guy or two? Sure, that happens all the time. You know, miss on the rating of a guy. Uh, but over the course of, say, 20 to 25 commits in a class, right, and then when you start stacking three and four and five years in a row, talking 85 players, uh, they're more right than wrong in aggregate. Uh, so definitely, you know, that's the starting point. That's the backbone of a program. you got to have top 15 or top 10 talent to really push for a playoff. Um, so that's the starting point. But then you got to look to the coordinators and the head coach. I mean, are, are they – are they solid coordinators? Do they have good schemes? Are they recruiting to that scheme? Uh, are they developing the players? So I have those metrics in there too, player development, win conversion, stuff like that. General buzzwords that you always hear, but I, I, I throw numbers on them through data. Um, so yeah, UNC has all that. Um, and then to take it one step further, specifically with this 2021 class, what we're seeing is kind of a, not, not, not just a dem- uh, demographic shift, but um, you know, high school football is really booming in, in North Carolina. It's becoming one of those high school recruiting hubs, um, so, you know, just right up there with Florida, Georgia, California, Texas. But that's becoming now another, you know, pipeline state. And what you know, over the over the last ten years with Larry Fedora, they had trouble keeping that blue chip talent uh, in state. I think yep. it's something like ten percent. I wrote it in the book. Ten uh, percent of four star and five star athletes from North Carolina that UNC was able to hold on to just 10%. But this class now with Mac Brown, 80% so far, right? So they're just locking down their border, uh, keeping them in state. Uh, they got some ace recruiters. I know last class it was Tim Brewster helped out big time. Uh, you got Dre Bly on the staff still. He's an icon. Uh, and then the coordinators themselves. I know, um, I think it's Bateman has probably 10, 15 years coaching within this state. So I'm sure those, those connections and, and pipelines run deep. So I think, um, I think also one last note, 
this is a crazy recruiting cycle. I mean, you know, given that a lot of these kids haven't been able to go cross country trips and, and meet coaches just because of the, you know, the virus concerns. So what that makes me lean towards is people, uh, kids might stay local more. And that's, that's what really comprises this class right now. I know we're still six months away from the deadline, but, um, so what I'm trying to get at it, if these were guys from Cali or Florida or far away, I'd say, and I'm kind of skeptical, you know, it's early in the process, but the fact that this is built from, local guys and in-state guys, I think you're going to hold on to a lot of these targets, uh, not to mention if we get a you know a top 15 UNC team like I project on the field. Uh, yeah, this thing's just getting started. It must be a really exciting time to be a Tar Heel, um, being able to pair this with the basketball history. So, yeah, that, that, that's my take on that. It's, uh, it's definitely exciting to follow. Hey, Brett, you're one of the best, man. Uh, tell people where they can find the Pick 6 previews uh, for this season because – Look, you're one of the most accurate guys out there year in and year out. And, uh, I mean, we all want to read those accurate predictions in the preseason, and it also helps that you're really high on us. So tell the listeners where they can read you at. Yeah, appreciate that praise there, and uh, and thanks for having me back on again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's at Pick6Previews on Twitter, and that's all spelled out. And uh, the website's Pick6Previews.com. And on there I have a couple sample pages so you can see, you know, the, the, the template and the level of – detail and the graphics that I provide for all 65 teams. Um, again, I'd like to touch a little bit more on coaching schemes and program histories and recruiting strategies uh, in addition to the player personnel. So I, I know I, I like to think that I go a bit deeper or just different than some of the ones you see on newsstands. So, uh, and one last note, I mean, to the to the Heels Tough uh, fans out there, I want to give a, a quick discount code. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to give it a shot this year, it's just type in UNC at checkout. Uh, that's uh, at pick6previews.com. All right. Hey, make sure you guys go do that. I got my edition. I'm going to be reading it throughout uh, the offseason. Hopefully they don't extend the offseason because I'm going nuts sitting in my house. But it's always great to talk to you, man. Uh, you're one of the best out there. You're so fun to have on the podcast as well. And uh, I'm ready for this college football season. I know you are too. And uh, hopefully next time when we have you on uh, around this time next year, we're all taking a celebratory victory lap because uh, we got it right that Carolina was going to win the Coastal. And they'll be right on the precipice of being one of those teams that everybody's talking about potentially being in uh, the college football playoff uh, conversation in the next couple of years. But for now, hey man, just uh, take care and uh, we look forward to seeing all the great stuff that you're going to have during the season, all the great stats, all the great coverage, and we'll talk to you down the line. Okay, bud? Yeah, absolutely, Anthony. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'm going to try and get down to UNC for a game soon too. I mean, this is a program I got to see live, so a lot to like, and uh, we'll talk soon. I appreciate it. All right, man. If you're going to a game this year, if somehow fans are around, go to the Virginia Tech game. That game's going to be hype. That's just just my thought out of, the, out of the ones that are there. But really, I mean, look, that we, we sold out every game last year, so it's a great environment. And, hey, if you're in town, let me know, man. Hit me up because uh, I know some good places that we can go, get some really good food and everything like that before we go to the game. But uh, take care, buddy, and great talking to you. Absolutely. Thanks, Anthony. See you. All right. All right, so Brett Ciencia of Pick 6 Previews. Always love talking to him. One of the really good guys out there covering college football right now. And as uh, as he said, make sure that you go on to Pick6Previews.com. Use that code UNC. You can get a discount on this year's preview. And it's one of the best ones out there. I mean, it's honestly, when I'm reading in the preseason, I like to go with his and Phil Steele's. I combine both of them. So much information, so many great statistics that they throw your way. And it's a really great statistical look at what to expect from North Carolina. And look, both guys 
from what I can tell, are pretty high. Bill Steele has not released his just yet, but both of them seem to be really high on North Carolina, so you're not going to want to miss all the great stuff. We're going to have Phil Steele on, of course, later on, but uh, Brett did a fantastic job again this year, and uh, make sure that you guys go check out everything that he's doing. Of course, we encourage you to head to our website as well, HeelToughBlog.com. That's where you can check out all the great stuff. Um, just a couple of days ago, as we mentioned, Tony Grimes committed. Make sure you go back, read that article. Uh, Drake May, another guy that you know me and Brett might be talking about in a couple of years at the quarterback position. He just participated in, in the Elite 11 competition uh, in Nashville, the Elite 11 finals. He was one of 20 quarterbacks selected out there, went out there and competed. We had a thread that covered everything that happened for him out there, so make sure you go back and check that out as well, um, as well as some other great stuff on the website, including on the basketball side of things. We have the Anthony Harris update for you in case you guys missed that. Just had an offer the other day in the 2022 class that you guys don't want to miss. So go back, read all that stuff, HeelToughBlog.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and you also rate and review it for us because rating and reviewing moves us up those rankings, guys, on places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. All those areas where people can find the show. That's the main reason we want you to do it because we want those people that are searching for those Tar Heel podcasts that maybe haven't found us yet to be able to track us down and hear all this great stuff as we get towards the season. And of course, we have a ton of other great stuff that you guys can go back and listen to. A ton of great interviews in the offseason. Former quarterback Chris Kildorf, former defensive lineman Greg Ellis is one that we still actually have coming up. Um, there's so many great interviews that we did this offseason. Make sure you go back and check out all of those, uh, some really great stories that were told there. Um, and of course, we're going to have you covered with everything, both here on the podcast and on the website as we get closer to the season on the status of college football in 2020. As of right now, a lot of people still seem pretty confident that it's going to happen. It might look a little bit different, but either way, we're going to have you covered on both the Heel Tough blog website and the Heel Tough blog podcast. So once again, want to thank Brett Ciencia of... Uh, pick six previews for joining us want to thank you guys for listening and as always go Tar Heels